Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm Roland Stiles and this is the Rapid Reaction Show. It's not going to be a full-length show. You'll get that this coming week. Uh, this is exactly what it sounds like. It's just 15, 20 minutes after the Chiefs game. Just with the instant reactions, usually I'll be joined by my usual co-host, Grant Tuttle, but today... He is busy. He was working late, I believe. I'm not really sure. It's hard to keep up with him. But uh, it's just me today after the Chiefs preseason game against the Bengals in which they won 38-17. to So again, this show is just just your basic reactions after watching the Chiefs. For the preseason, it'll be kind of tame because obviously you don't want to overreact to the preseason. But in the regular season, it's kind of just going to be our true raw reactions to what we just watched the Chiefs do that Sunday, that Thursday, that Monday, whatever day they play. And then we'll come back the following week and kind of talk with more of a level head. But this is, again, just the rapid reactions after the Chiefs game. And after a preseason game, there's not much to take away. But the Chiefs did have a pretty interesting outing tonight. The first note was that the defense and the you know the, the first start of the defense where the starters are on the field and people who you know are going to contribute are on the field did not look that good. They had the same kind of issues. They were playing off the line of scrimmage. They were playing a soft zone where they were just getting uh, p- picked apart left and right by Andy Dalton, uh, who went seven for nine and eighty yards on the first drive. I mean, it was just the same old Chiefs, you know, on that side of things for that first drive. But, like I said this this week, the game plan on both sides of the ball is going to be pretty vanilla. It's not going to show a lot of things. They're not going to show their uh, their blitz packages, their stunt packages, their, their different coverages, their different designs. It's just going to be basic coverage, basic, you know, rushes, just basic defense. And so... I think that that's the biggest takeaway is that we're not going to get a takeaway. Right now, if you choose to overreact to the preseason, you have a lot of tape that shows you that this is the same Chiefs. But again, that's not what what Spags is going to be calling whenever we play the Jaguars, whenever the Chiefs go play the Ravens, whenever the Chiefs play in the the regular season. That's not what Spags is going to call. And if it is, then we're in trouble. As Chiefs fans, we're in trouble because then it is the same defense because they've played the exact same way backing off the line of scrimmage, playing soft zones, getting carved up by um, mediocre at best quarterbacks with lacking receiving cores around him. But I don't think so. I don't think that that's what we're going to see. I think, again, they're not trying to show anything on tape. Uh, Other defensive notes, because it wasn't all bad. um, You know, Tan Passanio really does look good. He's a guy who has been hyped up all preseason long by Spags and his uh, press conferences uh, by the media who's been up at training camp at St. Joe. Uh, just by pretty much everyone around the Chiefs, he's been hyped up as a guy who's really fitting in well with this Spags system, uh, who's really turning the corner in his career, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it was true tonight. You could see a a huge difference in his game from last year to this year. And I think it is the system. I think that he's a, a prototypical guy that Spags loves to get his hands on. He's a tall, athletic, bulky guy who can do everything that Spags wants him to do. Everything. Uh, which is pretty much just rush the passer. Put your hand in the dirt, go get the passer, 
and let's go. And that's what he did. You could tell that that was his only assignment, specifically on one play, which was a screen play to his side of the football. And it, I'm the, if you saw the play, the running back runs directly, directly by him. They almost hit. They're so close. But Passanio had his head down and was just bull rushing towards the quarterback, trying to get there, trying to add pressure, and it resulted in a, in a beautiful screenplay. Because on a screenplay, you want everyone to be rushing your quarterback. That way, you can dump it off to your running back and he can cut it up. So it, it worked perfectly, you know, against the Chiefs. But he wasn't even thinking about recognizing a run or recognizing a screen. He was thinking about getting to the quarterback. And I think that that's the packages he's going to be utilized in. I think if you see Passanio on the field. You're going to know that the, that Spags and the Chiefs are going to send some heat. They're going to try to get back in the backfield, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, it's better. It's, it's, a, it's a better position for him to be in. He's not a guy who you can be versatile with. He's not a guy who can drop back in coverage. He's not a guy who can contain. He's a guy who can rush the passer. And Spags is finally playing to his strengths uh, and playing to this entire team's strengths. You know, if Spags was was the defensive coordinator last year, you wouldn't have seen Justin Houston drop back in coverage. That's not who he is. That's not who Justin Houston is. So that was a good sign to, to see that these guys were doing something they were comfortable with. I think the only, you know, head scratching decision on that front uh, uh, of guys doing something that they shouldn't be doing was, I believe one time Berlin Speaks went back in coverage. Not ideal, but. I think, again, in the preseason, you're also trying to see for yourself, can Speaks be a coverage linebacker? Can he be a guy who stays on the field? I don't think so. But it was worth a shot. It's the preseason. It doesn't matter. I think when the regular season comes, you'll see all that go away, and he'll utilize his guys properly. Uh, And again, the defense wasn't all bad. I mean, Mark Fields looked really good. Mark Fields looked really good. Uh, he he was matched up a few times on a, on a huge, who I believe is a tight end. I'm not really sure once you get down to the Bengals, you know, second and third string teams, uh, but he was huge and he still held his own. Uh, you know, he, he stayed right on his hip and eventually the, the size of the guy he was matched up with one out. And, that, and that's going to happen. That's going to happen to defensive backs. So I wasn't mad about that. He made a couple beautiful plays and you can tell that he plays with an edge. He plays with a swagger that the Chiefs have really lacked defensively. And, you know, it it might sound kind of silly to somebody, but the Chiefs swarming to the football tonight in the preseason, the Chiefs, you know, getting excited on third down, getting excited after they made a huge stop, holding their fists in the air, signifying fourth down. Those things didn't happen last year that much, especially not as a collective group. You know, Chris Jones would get excited. Chris Jones always has a personality. But this was all 11 guys on every single unit getting excited. That was every single guy on the, on the sideline getting excited. And, that's some, and that does mean something. That, that does provide something. It's not something um, that you can just overlook. You know, these guys are, are truly playing together and everything. Although it's not the biggest factor because you can, you can love your teammates. You can have as much energy as you want to. Eventually, you've got to be good at football. And some of these guys aren't. Some of these guys are. But this defense is going to be improved. The first team didn't look at if you just... If you block everything out and just look at what happened on the field, it didn't look any different than last year. But they didn't have Frank Clark. They gave Tyron Matthew a single drive. You, you can't really get involved in the game as a safety in one drive. Things would have to fall perfectly for you. So, I mean, th- this defense also didn't really show, again, anything uh, in terms of play calling, in terms of mixing up and disguising coverages. They were out there in their base look, their base design, every possession. And that was fine. And then later in the game, you did see 
Spags dial up some blitzes. Whenever it was, you know, the Chiefs fours against their fours, the Chiefs threes against their threes, you saw some more blitzes, and, and it worked. It worked really well. Uh, but, you know, week three of the preseason, whenever the Chiefs are back at Arrowhead and playing the 49ers, you might be able to take more away from that first team defense. You might. Uh, another note on the defense was um, Ben Neiman, the linebacker, the middle linebacker, he looked really good. I mean, he looked like he could play on Sundays in, in the regular season. I don't know um, how much he can contribute this year, but I do think, especially if these, this keeps up what he did tonight, he will make the 53-man roster. I know a couple people are, are on that side as well. I think he'll make the 53-man roster after just what you saw tonight. Uh, Doran O'Daniel, who was a guy, again, who I talked about this week, previewing the preseason, a guy who I loved watching last year, who was electric, who could swarm to the football, and was one of those guys who, again, one of the few who gave energy, who gave effort every single play, and just played football like his hair was on fire, which is what you kind of want, you know, in general, but especially uh, in a Spags defense. So, the fact that he was playing in the fourth quarter and not playing particularly well is concerning to me. A few times, again, it's hard to, to, to judge defense especially by just simply watching the game broadcast. You kind of need the film, which you don't get on an NFL game pass throughout the preseason. Uh, you kind of need the film to be able to see the angles that you need to, to properly diagnose the defense and die excuse me about that to diagnose the defense i hit my microphone just too excited to talk about the chiefs to diagnose kind of what the defense is doing and and who's in the right spot who's in the wrong spot and some plays you get beat but it's just a soft spot in your zone you know there's just there's literally no one assigned to that area which is a flaw in the play calling and a beautiful play call by the offense so a few times he did look out of position he did look too slow which is something very concerning to me. I don't know if he's banged up or anything, but you know, there's no reports of him being hurt at all. Uh, he just looks slow. Well, that's not a problem he had last year. Last year, in fact, if you would have just at the end of the season last year said, who do you think is going to make a leap next year? You would have picked him and it looks like he's regressed. I don't know if it's the, the whole thing of Spags's new defense, which we again, didn't see that, that many new um, coverages or many new play calls tonight. If it's the fact that Spags maybe doesn't like his skill set, which could be it. I mean, there's plenty of players who are fringe guys, you know, because Doran O'Daniel, as much as he played well last year, he's not an established NFL player. He's not a guy who who can just demand a spot, who can just demand playing time. He's not that, obviously. So whenever a coaching change happens and you're changing coaches and, and you're getting a guy who didn't draft you, who didn't recruit you if you're in college, you know, you're getting a guy who doesn't isn't familiar with you. It's easy to get buried in the depth chart, even if you played well the year prior. And that might be what's happening to Dorno Daniel. But tonight, he just didn't look very good. He didn't look very good at all. Um, another note, just it's kind of just in general. You know, not not four against the Chiefs defense. There was three pass interference challenges tonight. Three. That's a lot. And if this keeps up throughout the regular season. I hope that you're Big 12 fans, that way you're used to games going five hours long. I hope you watch a lot of Big 12 football last year, so you can prepare yourself for how long these NFL games are going to be if we're going to get every single pass interference call challenged. It worked a few times for the Chiefs, didn't work a few times for the Chiefs. Uh, You know, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how that can change the game. 
but it's also going to make the game a lot longer, a lot longer. And so that's going to be something to watch. How does that kind of get filtered out throughout the regular season? If you remember last year, there, there was an issue, uh, or was it the year prior? These, these years kind of run together, where every single time you'd touch a quarterback, it was roughing the passer. And there was flags almost every play in which you got pressure throughout the first two, three, four weeks. And then after that, it died down. So I'm interested to see how this pass interference rule um, evolves and, and, and how much you see it actually get thrown once the games count. Because again, it's risky still. It's risky. Uh, it's pretty much a 50-50 call because pass interferences, they're judgment calls. Some guys interpret it a different way for one side or the other. Is it pass interference? Is it not? Okay, if it is, is it on the offense or the defense? That's all a huge judgment call where you've kind of got to know your officials and see where they're at and what they're going to lean towards. If you throw the challenge flag, you only have two of them. You only have two. Unless you get it right, you get your challenge back, obviously. And if you fail, you get a timeout taken away. You only get three of those each half. First half timeouts don't really matter that much. I mean, sure, they're nice to have, especially if you can get the ball late in the first half, but they don't matter all that much. You're not going to decide a game if you have one or two timeouts left at the end of the first half. You're just not. The second half timeouts are incredibly important. They can be the difference in winning and losing a football game. So I don't know how much the risk-reward factor is you know, for, for throwing that challenge flag on a, on a judgment call. This isn't, it's just foot out of bounds. This is, what do you think is happening here, Mr. Official? So it's going to change a lot of games. And I guarantee you, the Monday after the first week of the season, maybe even the Friday after the Thursday night game, Bears-Packers, maybe even after that game, a game will be altered by this rule outrageously so because you cannot make a game altering call on a pass interference without one side being felt like they've been they've been done a a misservice you just hope it doesn't happen against your team for the chiefs though this could be a huge benefit it's so unknown it's so um just uncharted territory because look who's the quarterback for the chiefs patrick mahomes if you're in a hell mary situation with mahomes with one second left, you need a literal prayer, which is why it's called the Hail Mary. Throw it from you know the opposite end of the field to the end zone, and then challenge it once you don't catch it, because Hail Marys usually don't work. Challenge it and see if there's pass interference. You get the ball to the one-yard line. You get another chance. You live another down. You try to win the football game. So at the end of the games, it's going to be especially at the end of close games, it's going to be especially useful uh, for NFL teams, specifically if you have a strong arm quarterback who can get the ball down there. But enough about that. There was three of them in this one game. It made the game last a little bit longer. You know, that's kind of just the concern of, of, of normal fans who don't really want to dive into everything. It's going to take it's going to take longer to, to play a football game if they're going to be challenging all these pass interference rules. But again, I think we're going to see a lot more throughout the preseason. And then the regular season, they might challenge it once a game. Twice a game, maybe. I'm interested, though, to see how much the booth challenges it. Because as you know, you cannot challenge anything in the final two minutes of each half. So how often does the booth look at it, you know, look at pass interference? Because tonight, I believe that they took two looks on their own. 
and then one was a challenge. So that'll be interesting to, to follow throughout the year. Uh, moving over to the offense, Patrick Mahomes. I know you're listening because you're our most loyal listener. Patrick Mahomes is. That's what you know. You guys should know. So you guys should know that you should listen to the Arrowhead Act podcast because Patrick Mahomes does. Please, please, for the love of Chiefs fans, for the love of me, for the love of this podcast, please do not scramble again this preseason. I'm begging you, do not scramble again, please. That was scary. And he thought about diving into the end zone. And I think collectively, if he dove into the end zone and took a hit to that shoulder, I think collectively... Kansas City would have turned into a sinkhole and just fallen off the face of the earth because of just the outrage of Chiefs fans. It's not that important. The Chiefs do not need to win preseason games enough to where Mahomes is diving into the end zone against the Bengals on the first preseason game of the year. But it is hard to kind of get, because that's something that Mahomes would naturally do. He would naturally fight for that yard. He's that kind of quarterback. Some quarterbacks are risk-avert when running the football, and they immediately slide as soon as they can. Mahomes is not that guy. So it is hard to kind of turn it off and just in the moment make you realize, okay, this game has no meaning. But please, Mahomes, don't get hurt this preseason. That was my biggest takeaway from the from the starters is the fact that Mahomes didn't get hurt because if he gets hurt, this season's all for naught, and this season has Super Bowl aspirations. In fact, this season is a season in which it's Super Bowl or bust, and you need Mahomes to do that. As for his game, it was awesome. The pass that Travis Kelsey, you know, affirmed that it was football time in Kansas City, affirmed that the football is back, that the Chiefs are back, that Mahomes is back. Uh, other than that, though, there wasn't many big highlights. I mean, he only played one drive, four for four, 66 yards. Couldn't ask for much better than that. He had a, he had a nice pass to Sherman that didn't really uh, gain any yardage, but it was just a nice tight-fitted pass, which had a lot of zip on it. Again, you could just see it was the same Mahomes. On the run, he still had more zip on his pass than most quarterbacks do whenever they're throwing off their back foot and leading into a throw and stepping into one. So enough about Mahomes, because we'll talk about him for the rest of time, honestly. Blake Bell really stepped up tonight. He was the Chiefs' leading receiver, two receptions, 37 yards. With a long reception of 23, he was targeted three times. I would have loved to see Blake Bell get more attention tonight, get more run tonight. But he looked like your guy. We've all been freaking out, as Chiefs fans, including myself, about this second tight end spot. But Blake Bell calmed me tonight. Two receptions. 37 yards, great. It was great. A great game from him. Uh, I would have loved to see him, um, again, more than three targets. Uh, Dion uh, Yelder <laughs> did not look bad. I mean, he had two receptions, 37 yards, I mean, 32 yards, but he also had a touchdown on six targets. Uh, he, he got a lot more run than Blake Bell did. I would have loved to see that battle happen more, but I wonder if Blake Bell's kind of already won over Andy Reid because he didn't play that much. He didn't get that many looks. Uh, I think that Blake Bell's your guy at tight end two. I really do. Um, I no longer think the Chiefs need to make a move there. It's only one preseason game. That's probably my biggest overreaction to this game. But he looked fluid. He looked fluid. He looked like he had you know, the, the skill set to be a tight end. 
as a OU fan who watches OU all the time, I was not sorry about that. I was not sold on Blake Bell being a prominent tight end, especially in Andy Reid's system, in which you see how much Demetrius Harris got used last year. You see how much tight ends get used, second tight ends get used. But Blake Bell kind of calmed me tonight. Again, it wasn't that much. It was preseason, and it wasn't that much run for him. So I'm interested to keep an eye on that. But right now, if you had to ask, I feel comfortable with Blake Bell being the chief second tight end, which is crazy to me. My other observation, my other observation was from the running back room. I dropped my notes. Yes, I did take notes just for this podcast throughout a preseason game. So you should please subscribe, rate, and review for all the hard, hard work I'm doing. Darwin Thompson is fun to watch. And I knew he was fast. Excuse me. I knew he had speed. But I didn't know he had that kind of speed. And that's on me, probably, for not knowing that. But his speed in the open field really excited me and really, really uh, impressed me. Especially that play that didn't count where he literally hurtled for no reason but had a higher vertical than Michael Jordan. I have no idea how he got that high in football pads, just on the run, just casually. No fear of getting hit, getting flipped upside down. That angle route he ran out of the backfield that, that he scored his touchdown on, his receiving touchdown, Beautiful. You, you could not play it any better than that. 29 yards angle route right to the end zone. Beat the, beat the linebacker who had the angle on him. Still beat the linebacker. I mean, beautiful. Darwin Thompson is going to be a contributor. I really think so. I think he's better than Darrell Williams. I think any running back can look good in, in Andy Reid's system. But I think, I think Darwin Thompson has exactly what you'd want. Another thing that impressed me was that despite his frame, which, as everyone knows, he's a pretty small dude. He's a pretty small guy. He was running people over. He didn't shy away from contact. He wanted to mix it up. And that was interesting. That was, that was good to see. That was a good sign. So I was impressed with that. Let's stick in the running back room real quick. Tremont Smith didn't have an impressive night on the ground. He had three carries, five yards. He didn't really, you know, have an, an opportunity to bust one with his speed. But a note on him was that he looked comfortable. He looked comfortable carrying the football, which was something that was surprising to me again. I mean, he's he's played running back before, uh, but he's been playing cornerback and he's been playing cornerback in the NFL. He's been playing kick returner in the NFL primarily. But to be able to to be, to be comfortable running the football, trying to find the hole, carrying the football from a running back standpoint, carrying the football was a good sign to me. I think that Andy Reid's going to try his best to keep him on the roster, but given the fact that you have Meikle Hardman who can return kicks and return them very well and return punts very well, I don't know if there's a spot for him, especially when you see that running back room having having Damian Williamson. I always say Williamson. Having Damian Williams, having Carlos Hyde, having Darwin Thompson. Throw in... Daryl Williams, and you have a full, a crowded running back room. He's not going to play corner. He can't do that. He's proven that he can't do that. That's why he's now playing running back. I don't think he'll make the team, but it was interesting to see how comfortable he looked running the football. The offensive line didn't help him out, though. He didn't get in until the fourth quarter. Offensive line did him no favors. As for the quarterback play, I know it doesn't really matter, but to me, Kyle Shermer looked a lot better than Chase Litton. A lot better. 
Chase is a guy who's familiar with the system, who has played in the system before. And if you just look at the counting stats, Chase Linton went 11 for 15, 122 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He got sacked once. Kyle Sherman went, Kyle Sherman went 16 for 15, 77 yards, one touchdown. I think if you watched the game, though, if you watched, you would see that, that Kyle Sherman made more plays, whether it be with his feet, extending plays, or, or even just the touch on the football, the zip on the football that makes you think, okay, maybe he could play on Sunday. Now, neither of these guys are ever going to be starting quarterbacks in the NFL. But when I watched Kyle Shermer, I thought, okay, maybe he can be a quality backup, a Chase Daniels type, who, a Chase Daniel type, who, if your quarterback gets hurt for a game or a half or maybe even two weeks, he could potentially keep you in the season. He's not going to throw away the entire season if he needs to play for a little bit of time. With Linton, I didn't get that. I mean, the zip on the ball didn't look very good. It didn't look like it could beat first-team defenses. Again, he played after Mahomes, Henney, and Sherman. He played the worst the Bengals had to offer. He didn't throw it particularly well in terms of the zip. He had a, he didn't, he had a nice touch on the football, but he did steer down the receiver, resulting in an interception. I just think if you watch that game, you, f- you would feel more comfortable in Kyle Sherman. We'll talk about that more this week as we try to you know, just recap this game in full on the weekly show. Again, this is just rapid reactions. Uh, but my rea- rapid reaction to the quarterback room was that Kyle Shermer was a lot better than Chase Litton. You know, that's pretty much all I have from this game. Uh, it, was, it was fun to watch the Chiefs play football again. It was fun to... Of course, record this podcast and talk about it. Um, trying to look through here, make sure I didn't miss anything. I think that's all my rapid reactions for tonight. Again, it's only going to be 20 to 30 minutes of just Chiefs talk right after the game, the raw emotions. Then we'll dive into it more in depth the following week. In the season, it'll be probably Monday, maybe Tuesday. And then in the preseason, it'll be the regular Thursday show, Wednesday, Thursday show in there sometime. Uh, but... Again, you can expect one of these after every single Chiefs game, including next week against the Steelers, the 49ers, the Packers, etc., etc. Every game the Chiefs play, you can expect a rapid reaction. I'm Ryland Styles. You can find me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Tweet at me what you liked about the show, what you didn't like about the show, your rapid reactions from tonight. If you listen to this Thursday show, I read off what you guys were looking for in the preseason. I think a lot of what you guys were looking for got answered tonight. Maybe not set in stone answered, but it got addressed. Darwin Thompson. I remember one person tweeted, is he a gadget player? Is he a real running back? He looked like a true running back to me. I'm glad I said gadget because that triggered my mind to look back at my notes and realize that I didn't talk about Mikkel Hardman real quick. So real quick, Mikkel Hardman. This kid has it. The flip pass is unfair. Whenever you have guys like Terry Kill and Michael Hardman, it's just unfair. I mean, he took that thing to the house. It was a beautiful touchdown play. Just, again, the simple flip pass where you flip it to the wide receiver in motion who sweeps across the edge and goes into the end zone. That was impressive. He showed us off his speed. This Chiefs team is littered with speed. 
again, what I talked about on Thursday, Mecole Hardman is not just a gadget player. He was running crisp and smooth routes to get himself open on his own. So it was good to see that happen. Again, we'll talk way more about Mecole Hardman and way more about the Chiefs this week. Again, this is just rapid reaction. So follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. It's at R-Y-L-E-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Subscribe to the podcast, Arrowhead Podcast, and leave a review. Leave a rating, what you liked about the show, what you didn't like about the show. Read arrowheadaddict.com. A lot of good content, including reactions to this game uh, and much more on the site. This is the Fansided Podcast Network, arrowheadaddict.com. Arrowheadaddict Podcast, I'm Ryland Styles. Be good and be good to one another. We will see you guys next week to talk more about this game and preview the Steelers contest. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.